Hey world, what is going on? This is your host, Kelly Hall. Welcome back to Misunderstood. If you follow me at all on social media, you know exactly who I have on the show today. Jackie Barnum, she's a returning guest. She's my best friend of 10 years, and she is the most popular guest I've ever had on the show. I think reason being, she's transparent as heck and has gone through so much as a Marine Corps officer. Now, we are celebrating 10 years since we entered the Naval Academy. We joined the Navy and entered the Naval Academy on July 1st, 2010. We were only 17 years old, and it's practically mind-blowing to think how different we were and how much we've learned since. So I was speaking with Jackie about doing another episode and we must have shared, I mean, five to 10 different episode ideas, you know, whether it's about friendship or leadership or just serving the military in general. And when we came across this milestone, we thought, what a better way to celebrate it than to reflect on the last 10 years and 10 lessons learned that we've gathered over this time. I kid you not, we brainstormed this in like under 30 seconds because these lessons were so apparent from our time in service so far. So as a Naval officer and as a Marine Corps officer, we've both had such different experiences. We've been stationed in different places. We've just, we have similar, but also different leadership styles. And in general, you know, leading sailors and leading Marines is very different. So It's crazy to think how our paths have been parallel during our time in service, and so many of these lessons learned are the same, and we just want to pass on this knowledge to maybe those who are entering service or entering into a different leadership position, whether it be the military or not, and, you know, just to have these these tips in mind, these lessons learned in mind as you move forward, or maybe you've been in the same role for a while. You know, maybe you've been managing people or you've been an officer for a little bit or a leading petty officer, or, you know, maybe you're just, you know, leading your entire department in sales. But this gives you a couple things to narrow in on, or maybe an outlook that you might have not had before. So I always love having Jackie on the show because, again, she's so relatable. She's so transparent and so inspiring to me. I apply these same lessons learned to my day-to-day currently. I still do. I still remember these key tools and facts to just help me continue to build as a leader. So I will stop talking. Let's dive in. I cannot wait to hear what you guys think of the show today. Let's take away these 10 lessons in leadership. Hello world. This is Misunderstood with Kelly Hall. I've got our most popular guest back on the show today. Jackie Barnum is back. Welcome back to the show, my sweet best friend, Jackie. Woohoo! <laughs> thank you very much. Yes, you are a very popular guest. And I think our previous episode about women in a male-dominated industry was really popular because it was so transparent and relatable. That's kind of the feedback I got. And I think that between the two of us, we've experienced a lot in 10 years, not only as friends, but since we've entered the fleet, since we entered the Naval Academy, 
So July 1 marks 10 years since we went into the Naval Academy. How crazy is that? That we're old. I know. That's so, oh my goodness. 10 years? I can't believe Ah, that. 10 years? What? I know. That is absolutely insane. Um, Because you think about 10 years before 2010, when we entered, it was the millennium and we were like nine. (laughs) What? (laughs) Also crazy. Um, yeah. So today to get straight to it, um, well, for those who are new, Jackie and I, obviously we went to the Naval Academy. We graduated in 2014. We were roommates all four years. We met on July 1st on our very first day of the Naval Academy. And now I obviously am a Naval officer, I'm a Lieutenant in the Navy and Jackie is a captain in the Marine Corps. Still going strong. We survived. I'm proud of us. Yeah. <laughs> we made it. I didn't think I would have been in this long, to be yeah. honest. I, you know, I just, I'm surprised by myself. I'm surprised, too. Um, they always say, you know, we owe a five-year commitment to the Navy um, or the Marine Corps after you graduate. And so a lot of people are going to, quote, five and dive, like, do their time and get out. But to be honest, five years kind of, like, I blinked and it was over and I'm like, wait, I'm still in and like still pursuing this thing. Kind of crazy. Yeah. So Yeah, it is. I think it's interesting how, you know, you and I obviously went through the Naval Academy. So we had like very, very similar experiences, went through the same exact thing for those four years. And then the six, you know, the six years after that, like you Navy, um, and then me Marine Corps, but like still we are, encountering such similar things and having just the same issues or same challenges um, even though we're on opposite sides of the world or like you know it's just really interesting how you know we just go back and forth so easily with like yeah I have this going on and this is how I solved it you're like yeah that's what I'm facing that too you know like no matter where you are and really what job in the military you have you just have these common issues um and things that you face, which I find this and so have to overcome. That, that is such a profound and mm-hmm. astute observation, Captain Barnum. You're right. I because <laughs> we always like <laughs> call each other, and you're like, "Well, what's happening?" And I'm like, "Oh, same. I six months ago that was me." And then we know I can tell you what I learned from that, or vice versa. You're like, "Yep, that's already happened to me." And you know, this is what came from it. So like, don't make my mistake or whatever it is. So I feel like after all of these years, 10 years, people can say, you know, the Naval Academy isn't the real military. I get it. We do join the military the day we go into the Naval Academy induction day. We raise our right hand. We join as uh, an active reservist. So, um, or is it as reservists? I honestly can't remember. Are we reserve status while we're there? I don't don't remember either. Um, Um, I don't don't know know. either. We have ID cards. We join. Blah, blah, blah. We make an oath to the Navy. Um, And I get it. Like, it's not the fleet. So, yes. Like, it's not the same military that we are in now active duty. But there are so many lessons that we learned in those first four years to prepare us for those leadership roles later on in life. Like that's the point of the Naval Academy. You're not just going to study and like grab a degree. You're there for a really intense leadership training all four years. So that's kind of where things start. So I'm going to lay out the 10 things we've learned, 10 lessons learned 
in these last 10 years. And we're going to kind of dissect each one. So first, humility is key. Two, keep it real. Three, be a sponge. Four, always do your research. Five, keep contacts close. Six, flexibility and creativity go hand in hand. Seven, stay grounded. Eight, show up even when you don't want to. Nine, look for solutions. And 10, speak up. So Jackie, let's get straight into it. So number one, first thing, I mean, we put these kind of like in sequential order, but um, they go kind of hand in hand with like the Naval Academy and the fleet. But I'd say one of the very first things we learned is how humility really is key. And Jackie, can you kind of extend your experience on this? Yeah, so just applying to the Naval Academy, you know, you're the top of your class. You have to be a varsity athlete, a team captain on your student body, you know, student body president. So when you're in your high school pool, you're like the best of the best. But you have to remember that everyone that gets accepted to the Naval Academy is the best of the best and all have those same qualifications. So when you get put into a pool of everyone that is, you know, has those same prerequisites, you realize like, okay, now this is a whole different playing field. This is a whole different level. Um, And you realize like how, you know, that's the average now. So you have to figure out ways to stand out amongst those people. Um, And that's humbling real, real quick, especially like I know with us, like studying, academics Mm -hmm. like we were in the library you know every single night trying to get good grade like you know that's where I personally struggle the most you know academics um but yeah right yeah as soon as we got to the Naval Academy we were like we are not the big fish in a small pond anymore you know we yeah yeah that was hit us pretty quickly really quickly it's a huge mental shift and I think that humility was absolutely necessary because, you know, I knew that the top tier candidates like entered the Naval Academy, went to the Naval Academy, but you don't really understand until you get there. And these kids have all gotten like perfect scores on their SATs or whatever. So I think in that humility, you, you realize what you have to work on and you have to be okay with it. And then you also have to dissect why you're there and what you bring to the table. Um, And I don't think that that's arrogance. I think that's, that helps to balance out that humility as well. So like in my case, I, I think I was put in like a self help or like a calculus self help class or something like that. There's some sort of like extracurricular that I was put in that like only 20 other kids were in and most of all of them were varsity athletes, but it was based on like our calc grades in high school or something. And our academic counselors just went ahead and submitted us for this course. So being in that and realizing there was only like 20 other plebes in there, you know, I was really upset because I was like, I'm going to have a target on my back as someone who doesn't deserve to be here. And my dad was like, honestly, just see it as a blessing. You're going to get extra help for calculus, you know, through Calc 1. It's really hard. Um, So, you know, don't let that, like, you know how smart you are. I was like, okay, okay, okay. You know, but that was really humbling. 
getting put in like a different class than everybody else having to, you know, before I was like the smart kid in school in high school. And like, here I am now having to, you know, take an extra dose of humble pie and realize like, okay, I was smart and I am smart, but like people are smarter than me and I have to do what I need to do to keep up with them. Um, but then I also reflected a lot on the fact that like, I, you know, I was innovative and I was creative and I was a talented speaker and I cared. Like there were other qualities that were going to make me a good leader. It wasn't just focused on my grades. So that part is hard and it really prepares you for the fleet because in the fleet, you're also not going to be like the most amazing officer right away. Right. And I think also in, you know, in being um, humble and at the academy, that really gave us like the latitude to identify our strengths and weaknesses. And then once you identify your strengths and weaknesses, then going to the fleet, you don't have this like inflated sense of confidence where you think you're just good at everything. Like the Naval Academy like humbled us pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think as we went to the fleet, we entered knowing like, okay, you know, I don't know everything. I'm good at these things. There are other officers that are better at these things. My enlisted Marines or sailors are good at these things. You know, I think that prepared us for continuing to be humble, you know, as when we were commissioned. Yes, completely. So definitely humility, huge, huge, huge. Expect that when you're about to enter anything that's scary and different, but I think it's really important quality for leadership. Uh, So number two, we have keep it real. And I've got to start on this one, even though this was your, one of your lessons learned. Um, You know, you mentioned let your personality shine. I struggled with this a lot because when I entered the Naval Academy, so many of my high school friends were just like, Kelly, don't change. Kelly, don't change. Like, please stay quirky and goofy and funny and, you know, bubbly. And I was like, why are you talking about? Of course, I'm not going to change. Like, that's who I am to my core. Why would I ever change? Then I get there and people are, you know, like, especially our detailers, like they didn't seem very quirky or funny or goofy or bubbly. And I was like, crap, now I realize why people change because you're going to stick out like a sore thumb when you get here. Um, But I found out later that it was honestly exhausting trying to be something I wasn't. And well, during Pleep Summer, yeah. can, do you remember during, um, so we were detailers during Pleep Summer. So Jackie and I were like the cadre, if that's what you call it. But at the academy, you call it detailer. So we were training and leading the, the new plebs that came in to prepare them for the academic year. And I actually was like a yeller during that point. I remember I was like screaming at kids because I thought that like, that would make me a better leader or something. Like I needed to be someone who was scary and I was more tired and exhausted because that's not how I really wanted to mentor people. I just thought that that's what like I needed to be in order to be a detailer at the Academy. And then same thing when I entered the fleet, I thought I needed to be like stern and serious and not be so like bubbly and smiley. I kid you not for the first eight months I was on the ship, I would come home and like face plant into my couch because I was exhausted from keeping up an act. That's what it is. Like, it's not who you are. Mm -hmm. It really is so much easier just to be like what comes naturally to your heart and, you know, fine tune that into a good leadership skill. But I was tired. So now I keep it so real because life is already exhausting and being a leader is already really hard. So I don't do it. 
I don't try to put on this front and not be myself. If you're, yeah, if you're having to be somebody else, you're doing literally twice as much mental work because you're trying to do your job, figure out how to do it while being this other person and saying the right things or saying, you know, keeping your face looking a certain way or that's so exhausting. If you just like are yourself, then you can make decisions quicker. You're much more efficient. Your communication will be better. Like just, I totally, yeah, totally agree. When you're, when I was trying to be, you know, I, the same thing for me out of, um, so they look at me and then all Marine Corps officers go to the basic school in Quantico. And that was their whole, you know, training philosophy was breaking everyone down, teaching them, this is the way you're supposed to act and behave. Um, and it was miserable. I, you know, I learning was inhibited by trying to be someone else too. Cause I had this like mental block where I was trying to, you know, act a certain way and look a certain way. And then it like blocked me from even from developing and growing mm-hmm. to be better. Cause I was so fixated on that, like cookie cutter that I needed to be, um, where everything else was stunted essentially. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I've spoken about this several, several times before, but you just remember your intention, you know, whether it is if keeping it real is being bubbly or keeping it real is being serious or, you know, whatever your personality is, just know your intention and know that you're trying, you should be trying to lead better, lead stronger, make your sailors or your Marines better. And I think that your subordinates will always see that. Like you may not be, you may not know every instruction mm-hmm. in the book, but if who you are is a caring person, they're going to recognize that. And they're going to appreciate that. And they'll have more yep. patience for you if you, you know, care, actually care about them and are being honest with them and are not putting on a front than someone who is putting on a front, but knows every single instruction there ever was. Every nap, nap admin or whatever it is. Yep. Because that's not what they value. At least an hour experience. I don't think that's what they value. Uh, so next, yep, number, I agree. number three, be a sponge. So Jack, go ahead and say a few things about why being a sponge is so important. I think um, just try to learn something new every day. Like there is so much to learn and it's easy to just be comfortable with your, you know, who you know and what you know. Uh, My old CEO on his board like I had a whiteboard in his office on the back of his door and it said, meet a Marine today. And every single day he would try to meet somebody and find out, you know, who they are, what they're, you know, where they're from, what job they're doing, learn something about their job. Cause it may not necessarily be something that you do. Like as a logistics officer, like I will probably never be a truck fixing a Humvee, but I need to know that my Marines are doing those things. I need to appreciate those things. Um, so taking the time to go outside your comfort zone and just like observe and learn, um, people will appreciate that in the long run. And then you can pass that on to others. Um, so just learning something new. That is awesome. I love that. And that makes me a little bit envious because in recruiting, we're so scattered. I wish my recruiters were closer because I love to like meet a new recruiter every day. That would be amazing. Maybe I still can. I'll figure out a way to innovate that. Um, I'm going to implement that. I think that's amazing. I think for me, like, 
you know, when you are about to graduate from the Naval Academy, everyone says like, ask a lot of questions, ask a lot of questions. When you meet your chief, ask a lot of questions. And I think I did significantly in like the first six months I, w- I reported to my ship. But then every single time you transfer and every time you put on a new rank, you think that you have to stop asking questions because you should know everything. That's not true. Just because you are now a lieutenant and you reported to a new command, new is the key word there. Like it's all new. And there are so many times when like I reported to recruiting four years ago and asked a lot of questions in the beginning, but I should have never stopped because now I'm a department head and an officer in charge and they're still basic things. I'm like, I know I should know that. And I should have just asked years ago, you know, and I'm like, if I had just asked all of these questions from the beginning, then I wouldn't feel so lost even now or confused about tiny, tiny verbiage or acronyms or words. So it doesn't stop. And I still ask my senior chief all kinds of questions, stuff I should have asked her years ago. But I think just be a sponge always, always, because there's going to be something like you said, every day that comes up that you don't know about. And how could you? We don't know everything. Like We're not wired to know everything about the Navy or the Marine Corps just because we commissioned as an officer. Yep. So I now, you know, I'm a Marine and now I'm assigned to a Navy command. So this is the first time I've worked with people in the Navy. And that's a whole nother language. So literally at every single meeting, I bring my notebook and as the meeting's going, I write down this acronym. What does this mean? What does this mean? And at the end of the meeting, I talk to people who do know, and I literally get my questions answered right away. And I write them down as I have them. And they may seem like silly questions that I may have, but I'd rather ask now mm-hmm. when I have you know, people available to help me than be put on the spot and not be able to speak about these things. Like that's more embarrassing yep. than just admitting like, Hey, I'm new. I'm learning. Like, these are my questions. Awesome. Let's, let's keep going. You yeah, know, that is, that's, I love that you always mention how you take notes during the meetings. I think that's awesome. <laughs> you always take your little notes and answer questions. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, so next, this is kind of actually aligned with that. Number four, we have always do your research. And I would say from a professional standpoint, there's, I mean, there's a million ways you you need to do research, whether it's your job and instruction, how to operate something, what to do, procedures, but specifically as in recruiting or even just as a human resource officer, I can't tell you how many times people ask me stuff that is very readily available online like one Google search and you will see it. Like that is oh, yeah. all it takes. <laughs> and get it. Like sometimes it's nicer to talk to a human being, but as someone who feels a lot of questions, that almost frustrates me. I'm like, this is a simple, simple thing you could find out immediately, but you're not doing your research. And um, same thing with like human resources, for example, is a, it's the hardest community to get into in the Navy um, because it's the best one. But seriously, it's the smallest, it's the (laughs) smallest community in the entire Navy. And I have so many people who reach out, which I get specifics. Specifics are great. I've launched IGTVs about it because like it is, it is difficult, 
but there's also an entire instruction that's detailed about entering the HR community. So when it came time for me to apply for HR, you better believe I highlighted, underlined, I connected with as many HR officers as I possibly could to talk to, to find out how will I get selected for HR, you know, and I did this well in advance, six, eight months out from any board. Um, so I was equipped with that knowledge. And then, you know, in the future, I Googled, or I would Google and communicate about recruiting positions or communities or billets or whatever. So that way, when I talked to my detailer, I, you know, I didn't necessarily have a leg up, but I could give an argument about why I should go to Los Angeles for recruiting or, you know, what I bring to the table. But people just don't do the research. And it is so powerful to be equipped with this knowledge. It is like at your fingertips. So don't be lazy. Yeah. But you nailed that one. <laughs> I get really like, <laughs> I get frustrated with the, the simple, it's the simplest thing to me. And like we said, it's, it's job descriptions, it's operating procedures. I just think that when you ask questions, whether it's to other officers or it's senior officers or it's your detailer, you know, basic, basic research should have already been done. And Yep. When, you know, one of the things we're talking about next is contacts, and we'll get into that in a second with mentors, but don't just talk to someone and be like, hey, um, can I find out about being a recruiter? Like, I, when, I, when someone talks to me about something, I want you to say, hey, so I found this out. Can you expand? Or, you know, what does this look like? Or, you know, what is your day-to-day or whatever it is? But they've done that basic research. And, and I think that that's really, really powerful. So it sounds like something simple, but I think that we all get just a little lackadaisical. And we just want someone to give us all the info. Or like, oh, you're in the Marine Corps and you landed yourself at a Navy command. Tell me about that. It's like, okay, well, like you have all the instructions at your fingertips too. Like, look into it. It's there. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right. So the next one, do you want to tell our listeners what number five is? So number five, keep contacts close. So I honestly didn't learn this lesson until very recently. Um, I think I was always just too afraid or didn't, like, I always thought that I was wasting someone's time or bothering them if I ever asked for help or mentorship. It's only until recently when I've you know, seeing people who are 10 years ahead of me, but are still in the Marine Corps, my same, they have my same job. And I literally am like, okay, that could potentially be me in 10 years. So I am going to go like out of my way, take my time to respectfully request their time to actually sit down with me and go over their path and then keep in contact with Mm -hmm. those people. Um, I was always too afraid to like ask anyone about, you know, to mentor me, no one's going to be like, I'm going to mentor you. You have to be very active and seeking Mm -hmm. out mentors. Um, And it's takes, it's a process. You got to find the right one. Cause you don't, you you know, you may not necessarily completely jive with every person. So it's a process to even find a good mentor in the first place. Um, But then like, you know, you'll meet them in person, maybe a few times, then you'll move and you want to keep in contact with those people. So just like your quick, you know, email, just checking in or a text, schedule time to just talk to them on the phone um, because they know people have been around the block, you know, people that are three ranks above you, they 
have an experience or a path that they were on that either maybe could be great for you or not, but um, picking up those mentors along the way and keeping in contact and making that effort will totally, totally pay yeah. off. Like, I wish I had done that as a second lieutenant. Like, you know, I'm a captain now and I'm just, you know, finally understanding this concept. Um, so that, yeah, that's, that one's huge. Yeah, that's so huge. And um, to add, like, you never know who could give you a letter of recommendation in the future or something for whatever you're going yeah, for. Exactly. So, you know, kind of keeping in touch with those CEOs or keeping their information close, checking in with them, whatever. I think that's really important. On a personal level, I'm like, we are like, we are an example of keeping our contact close because we met an abundance of people from the Naval Academy, but I feel like you are the only person who we didn't even realize from the beginning, like how well we were doing at continuing to connect. Cause it's so easy to just go to your next duty station, lose touch, not text, not call, but you know, we were just actively keeping in touch with each other, which obviously has continued into a 10-year best friendship. Um, so that's kind of an extreme example, but just people you meet along the way, whether it's other officers or other sailors um, who you never know how they're going to help you. For example, I met um, a dear friend, Teresa Ramsey, four years ago at my recruiting school in Pensacola, Florida. She sat across from me and I just always have swapped phone numbers with people who I'm like, you know, they either know a lot or they have a similar career path or whatever, or are just great. And when I was selecting orders, I was looking at Los Angeles and she was in Los Angeles. So she ended up becoming my sponsor and helping me find a place to live and, you know, becoming, she was my operations officer, you know, while I've been here, but that's a four year connection. I met in a class four years ago and just in my phone, I made a little note. I said, Teresa Ramsey, Navy recruiting district, Los Angeles. And, you know, making sure, don't just put someone's name in your phone, but like add a description. So that way later, if something comes up, whether it's service warfare officer or um, Naval preparatory school or Naval Academy admissions officer, like you're like, oh, wait, I think I've met someone who was at Naval Academy admissions. And then you look them up and you're like, oh, Greg Miller, what are the chances? And he like, you text them. So those contacts are really amazing. They always, I've never had, I've always had these amazing success stories of people who I met like years ago. And then I reconnect with them over something like HR or recruiting or whatever. And it's really expanded my network. Yeah, that happens all the time, I think. Like the more years that you're in, the more people you meet. You totally, like, someone will ask you about something, and you're like, ah, I'm not really sure about that, but I know someone who does yep. know, and you just, it's like, you know, either everyone in the Navy or Marine Corps, or everything by, like, a degree, yep. like, if you don't know yourself, you know someone else that yep. knows, or, you know, like, it's, it's such a small community, and, like, yeah, exactly, like you were saying, the more people you know that are experts in these different topics like that makes you more powerful mm -hmm. and more knowledgeable so so true um all right so next we have flexibility and creativity go hand in hand so I initially said flexibility but then you mentioned creativity and I think that that's so true um so I would say initially my thought on this was oh flexible 
like, oh, gotta be flexible. That sounds so easy. But a lot of people who talk to me and communicate with me about coming into the military, one of their questions is like, how much control do I have over my orders or where I move or um, my job or whatever it is? And I always remind my applicants, you're coming into the military with the foundational principle of serving. Like that is why you join the military. And maybe it's stability too, because that's also something you're gonna get in the military. But the main thing here is that you want to serve your country. Um, If you want a guaranteed pipeline or a guaranteed place to live, like the military may not be for you because there's so many other civilian jobs out there that are gonna be like, yep, you're gonna be in LA your entire life, congratulations. Um, but that that's not going to be the case here with the military. So I always remind them of that. And if they're up to the challenge, they're like, yeah, you're right. Like the main reason why I want to join the military is because I want to serve. So send me anywhere. You have to be willing to do that from the start because God knows I did not want to go to Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> and I was actually with you the day <laughs> I found out I was going to Columbus. And I was so upset because I was like, I joined the Navy to be near water like i send me to a coastal location like this isn't the air force what the heck are we doing here <laughs> and then all of a sudden the navy's like well we need you in columbus and i remember having to kind of like swallow that and my dad reminding me you know you are up to the needs of the navy that's what you signed up for i'm like you're right and he's like the navy needs you in columbus ohio you just don't know why yet um ends up Columbus, Ohio was the absolute best tour of my life and the best three years of my life. But you really, really have to be flexible because you have no idea what this career is going to do or where you're going to be sent or what's going to happen. But it usually ends up being pretty wonderful, to be honest. Yeah. And I think of the whole like creativity piece of this, like kind of the you know the saying the bloom where you're planted saying like you don't necessarily have control about where you're planted but you can make that job your own you can make you know wherever your duty station is like that is your home and if you go in with like that mentality of like okay this is where I am for three years I'm gonna make new friends I'm gonna find new hobbies I'm gonna do you know and like you can blossom and become and it grow and change you know if you go with like a horrible attitude and you're just like I'm just gonna dig my heels in and not do anything exactly then you're just gonna make yourself miserable for the next three years so that creativity piece is like okay like I didn't have I can't control this I can't control where I'm going but I can control like my attitude you know the things I'm gonna learn I can control how I interact with my marines and sailors like there's so much that you can control and that's the creativity is like how are you going to apply yourself and push yourself, you know, to, to keep learning despite the fact that you're at a, in a completely new yeah. place. Um, so yeah, that's like the kind of how the creativity ties in. With yeah. That, I think I, that was such a good point. And, you know, something my mom always said was she would fight against the mentality of like, why try? Because especially in the military, you, you are moving every three years, usually pretty consistent. And, So a lot of people are like, I'm going to move. Why try? Why make this place my home? Why do X, Y, Z? Why make new friends? I'm just going to turn around and move. But those experiences are life-changing. 
It's why you came in. You wanted to personally develop. You don't know how this is going to change you for the better. You don't know who you're going to meet. And um, like we said, it's usually to teach you something. So I'm so like flexibility has really, I mean, you just went through a move too. I just went through a move in the last eight months. Um, you know, I brought my boyfriend with me. He's not even in the Navy, but he's learning flexibility. Like it is so huge. And it's just going to take a huge weight off your shoulder. Once you realize that you can't control everything, you can't control it. So stop trying, just be flexible, yep. control what you can control. Exactly. And on that note, you kind of alluded to this, but number seven, we have stay grounded and you touched a little bit on this, but you know, how are, what, what is a way that people can stay grounded and why is this so important? So I think it's very important to have a life outside of the military. Um, they kind of beat this into your head very early on. Like, you know, you're a Marine 24 seven, you're in the Navy, you know, always every which is true like you are on duty all the time and you can't just like take the uniform off and all of a sudden I'm not a marine anymore yeah but it's healthy and you need outlets to you know express your creativity you know whatever your interests are if that's working out or something artistic or you know whatever your whatever interests you it's really smart to just like explore that Mm -hmm. and on your off time dive into that um I think that just reduces stress that just helps you mentally emotionally like that just has so many benefits Mm -hmm. and then when you can put your uniform on and show then you can really like be present with your job if you're just like all you do is think about the military and all you like I think that does more harm than good um because then you like become less relatable you know I just think if you can just yeah dive into work when you're at work and then when you're out you know not at work. There's just so much more to develop yourself personally, um, find things that interest you. Yep. Um, I just really, really believe in that. I agree. And I know I've spoken about this like a million times over, but becoming, I, I did, I fell into this without even trying. You know, I think my heart was just pulling me to explore things outside the Navy in the very first year I was on the ship. And I I accidentally started a business, to be honest, like started my photography business. But I think I just emotionally knew I needed to completely shift gears when I was off duty and off the ship and kind of release a different side of me, that creative side that I couldn't really explore while I was on the ship. And that gave me um, another outlet. It gave me, you know, new resources, new people, new skills. Five years later, three years later, you know, I landed in recruiting. Everything I had learned from that business, the marketing, the the sales, the building relationships with clients, like that was fundamental in recruiting. And that was because I was exploring a hobby outside of the Navy. And to this day, people are like, how did you get good at social media? Or, you know, how did you learn marketing? And I'm like, it, I, I, it wasn't through the Navy. I'll tell you that. I never took a marketing course in the Navy. I never went to school for it. I just started pursuing other passions. And those other passions is what's helped me in the Navy as well. So it, it's so important, what, like, whether it's modeling or it's 
building a blog or it's podcasting or it's speaking. I mean, every time we record one of these podcasts, it's like gives us, I feel like more and more practice on speaking at a higher level, hopefully impacting others. You never know where that's going to take you. Yeah, I totally agree. So crazy. And if, and if it doesn't take you, I mean, and, and it doesn't necessarily have to even, like that's the nice thing about it is there's no pressure yep. where it's like, I don't, this doesn't have to lead somewhere. If it doesn't, it's just something that I enjoy doing and I yep. like it and I yep. feel like doing it. And that's, and maybe that's all that it is. It's yep. just important that you do something else. Yeah, I agree. And let's also put a little side note in of being respectful of what people do outside of their job because you know the culture can be oh she's doing something different that's so weird or why but just like give people their space outside of work to release you know their skills in a way that may not be considered normal to you like that's completely okay Mm -hmm. I'm sure people think it's weird that you know, there are some full-time yoga teachers or there's podcasters or there's bloggers or there's really serious fitness competition, men and women, like that's great. So just respect it, respect that they're, they're doing that side and exploring that side. And it's different than what you are used to, but that's what mm-hmm. they've chosen. Okay. So next, I love these final three because they really hit like those leadership skills hard and like things we've learned. So Number eight is show up in parentheses, even if you don't want to (laughs) Um, show up and Jackie, explain why this is so important. So I think as an officer, you're given, you know, more responsibilities, but then also with that, you're given more freedom, which is a very scary thing that people take advantage of Yeah, because you're not, you know, a lot of the you know, junior enlisted, um, you know, you're required to show up at this time, you need to be at this, this and that. For us, a lot of those things are optional, because we're in a more, you know, a managing supervisory role. So it's so easy to just get stuck behind your computer, doing the admin tasks, do, sending the emails, you know, doing meetings, and not showing up to those events that your people are required to be at. Mm-hmm. Um, so just showing up and being there, you know, seeing their faces, looking at them, you can get a really good pulse on their morale, on the command climate when you're just there, just listening yep. to what their conversations are, how around, how they're holding their head, are they doing okay? And you can like really get in touch with what's going on in your unit if you're just literally physically there yeah and for some reason like you know objects at rest like to stay at rest so it's hard for us to like get out of behind our computers and we get stressed out because we have so many tasks that we need to get done but being physically present and participating with your marines and sailors means the absolute world to them Mm -hmm. and they the more you're there the harder they'll end up working for you so true that is so true i my senior chief actually just said something similar to me this past week. Cause you know, here, especially in Los Angeles, everything is about an hour away. So we're scattered all across the County and that makes it even harder because you're not just driving five minutes to show up for a workout. You're driving over an hour to go to their office, to go get lunch or whatever it is. But she said that she wants people to obviously be driven 
and be proud of their job, but it brings this whole new element when they're also inspired by those who are leading them. So they don't just want to do the work for them. They also want to do the work for you because they want to do you right. And that comes from showing up. And, you know, I just, I told you this, I just channeled that this past week because it is hard. It's hard sometimes to get out of your routine or, you know, maybe you've made it your routine and I applaud you, but like you said, it's, we have much more of the admin side, the paperwork, the spreadsheets, the approving leave, the online stuff. And part of that officership is what you're actually doing to cultivate climate within your unit, within your command, within your, for me, it's a talent acquisition center. And what's the climate? What are you bringing to the table? And that comes from face-to-face. You are going to see so much more when you're face-to-face with your sailors. You know, they're not just saying, I'm good, ma'am. You know, they're, they're, you can ask the probing questions. You can find out the issues. So show up. When you said this to me, it really resonated. And I was like, I don't feel like it. And then I heard your voice and you were like, show up. I was like, ah, I have to show up. Dang it. (laughs) (laughs) But it worked. It really did work. You're like the little voice in my head all the time. I'm like, what would Jackie do? Jackie would go. She would always go. (sighs) All right. Number nine, we have look for solutions. You are my solution queen. So I think that you can speak a little bit more on this than maybe even I can, because you were always figuring out solutions to everything. (laughs) So I think this is just like my, one of my biggest pet peeves, just human nature, I guess, but just like in the military, if something goes wrong or something isn't correct or something, it's so easy to be like, well, I didn't do it. That's not my fault. This so-and-so and they did it or who like, who approved this? Like, who is the re why is this happening? Like we spend so much time and energy trying to figure out why it went wrong instead of being like, okay, like whatever, blame me. I don't care, but let's just find a solution. Let's fix the problem or let's make sure this doesn't happen again. I don't know why, like we get so fixated on blaming somebody or mm-hmm. something when it doesn't matter in the end, like you just need, to execute and, and, you know, make the mission. So it doesn't matter why it went wrong. It went wrong. Blame me if you want to, whatever, let's just find a solution. And let's, you know, and I always tell, you know, my Marines, like, I want to see initiative. I want, I would rather you try a hundred different ideas and 99 of them fail. than you just never try. Because the way, you know, we always try to do the, well, this is the way it's always been done. This is how everyone else does it. Like, no, let's put our minds to this task. Let's try to be, you know, let's think outside the box. Let's try something new. Because maybe it's never been done before. And maybe Mm -hmm. you can completely change the process that, you know, that we used to do. Um, Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's so true. I probably even, I probably need to communicate that even more so with you know my recruiting team because there's so many issues that arise especially with COVID I mean there's just so many things that can go wrong right now but we're just actually in day-to-day have to look for solutions have to be creative have to do it have to put in the work um and figure Mm -hmm. it out and we learned this at the academy and I think sometimes we forget it um I think even during plebe summer it's like don't just bring me an issue also bring me possible solutions, you know, like, okay, this went wrong, but 
we're going to try this or this went wrong. We already did this. So we're going to try this. Like nothing is more frustrating than being told like, oh, we have a problem. And you're like, all right, what have you done? What have we tried? So even myself, sometimes I'm like, ah, everything's going to crap. What am I going to do? And I'm going to call my CEO or my, my XO and be like, sir, this is the problem. Just tell me what to do. But that's not what you do in leadership. You have to, you know, try to assess a situation, figure it out and bring a solution to the table. Yep. Totally last, agree. last, last, last. This is my favorite one. Um, number 10, we have speak up. No one is going to be shocked that I say this for last because I feel like I'm always preaching about speaking your voice. Um, but for me specifically, I mean, this was something I really had to learn. And listeners are probably going to be shocked because I, well, I'm on a podcast. So like, I speak my voice now, but I had to learn what I brought to the table and to be confident in my capabilities and not to shy away from my ideas and sharing my ideas because, you know, we mentioned this before, like having your seat at the table, it can be really intimidating. You're like, Oh, I'm so junior. Like there's no way I have the answer to this problem or I'm so junior. There's no way that my ideas are going to be valued or, you know, I'm just Lieutenant. I'm just going to sit here and take notes and I'll let everybody else come up with the solution. But like sometimes what you are sitting on the ideas that you have and the voice that you have, can be like essential to what's happening. And you never know, you never know what you have to say, how it's going to impact your unit, your people, your operating procedures. So just, you're gonna have to learn to build a confidence, but when you start exercising that confidence and speaking up, really magical things happen. At least it's happened to me so far. So I'm such a proponent of speaking up. Yep. And I think just as officers, like everything we do is observed and watched. Like, you know, your junior sailors and junior Marines, like they look up to you. You are like the epitome of what an officer is. And when you speak with confidence and hold yourself, you know, hold your head high, speak eloquently, direct, then you instill confidence in them. And that's just what you need to do to have an efficient and effective team. And you just have to set that example. Um, the only way yeah. to get better is practicing, honestly. Like no one wants to be the one that's, you know, or at least I don't, I don't like being the one that's standing in front of a huge group. And it's so easy to be like, nope, I don't have anything else to add. Thanks, yeah. Gunny, or thanks to whoever. Like, it's so easy to be like, nope, we're good. It's hard to be like, all right, bring it in. This is why we just did this. This is what we're doing next. Does anyone have any questions? What can I do for you? You know, like, and just a few sentences, like, really go a long way. So speaking up, again, it's not the, it's not the easy thing to do. It's hard. It's easy to just kind of cower in the corner. But as right. leaders, we have to be that face and that presence. I also want to challenge, like, subordinates or junior enlisted to speak up. And here's why. Even recently, I was working with a sailor who wanted to put together a commissioning package. And I said, why? Why officer? Why not chief? Why this? Why that? Like, why is this important to you? And she said, 
you know, as junior enlisted, our voice, she's like, I feel like my voice isn't heard and I have ideas and I want to write policies and I want to make a change. And I was like, yeah, I respect that. But I was like, why do you feel like your voice isn't heard? She's like, you know, because sometimes we have ideas and they just get dismissed. They're not fleeted up to leadership. They're not fleeted up to the chain of command. Our frustrations aren't heard. And there are officers that want to hear what you have to say. Like, I don't know. I'm not just saying it because I sound like a greeting card or because it's good for my health. I genuinely want to know what is going on because I want to make the process better, bring in a better solution, streamline processes. But I don't know unless you tell me. I don't, you know, even we can't read Mm -hmm. our sailors' minds. Like as an officer, I can't read everyone's mind or know everything that's happening in every single office. I only know what's brought to me and I only know what's what I'm told or what I hear or what I see, the results that I see. So that doesn't have to just come from officers, you know, do it in a respectful way, fleet up things. But I think officers should be, you know, ready and willing to listen to the feedback of their sailors, to maybe frustrations they might be having or to the ideas they might have. You know, if maybe it's not the best idea, you explain why, but then you celebrate, you know, thank you so much for bringing that to me so that they know that there's an open door policy there. But it is still so important, no matter what rank you have, that you speak up in a respectful manner. So that way you potentially still contribute and make your command, the culture, or whatever it is, better. But you have to speak up. Yes. Amen. Yes. Yes. Period. I agree. <laughs> so that's 10. That's all 10. And to be honest, I was like, how are we going to get through all these? But I think we did it succinctly. Hopefully. I mean, I, I really hope that people can take away just a couple of these things and implement it to their future as they, you know, take on leadership roles or maybe what they haven't done so far or what they haven't learned so far. Like these 10 things, it's crazy. You and I came up with them in like under 25 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) We were like, this is it. This is everything right here. Yeah. 10 years consolidated. 10 years. (laughs) There's probably a lot more, but I think that these are the key ones. So to reflect we've got number one humility is key number two keep it real number three be a sponge four always do your research five keep contacts close six flexibility and creativity go hand in hand seven stay grounded eight show up nine look for solutions and ten speak up so I think that I think that we've laid it all out there, Jackie, on this one. I mean, we're not as many like personal stories in this, but this is a lot of lessons in the last ten years. It's crazy. Everything everything flies by and then you realize that you are just not at all the same person you were ten years ago. Yep. And I still don't know, like I, in 10 years from now, we'll have a whole nother list of things that we've learned from this point, you know, like you just can't go one one day without being like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that about myself. I didn't know that about the military. You know, there's always something, there's always something to learn. There really Um, is. Yeah. It's crazy. Amazing. 
It is crazy. Well, Jack, thank you so much for being on the podcast again. We just have so much knowledge to share. I'm always excited to share it with the world. And you're just a blessing. Thank you for having me. I feel like one of our just missions in life is just to gather all these tidbits and stories and lessons and just pass them on because I feel like a lot of our lessons we've learned the hard way and it's yes. like you could save at least like just one person from a failure that we experience like that's a win to us you know so yeah exactly thank you so much of course again <laughs> lots of misunderstandings here but I think we cleared up a lot of the misunderstandings so super excited to share this and I can't wait to have you again thanks Jackie love you so much love you so much Hey world, thanks so much for tuning in. If you have 10 seconds of your time, please consider going to rate my podcast on iTunes. You can find me on iTunes and Spotify and also follow me on Instagram at misunderstood.podcast or at Kelly Renee Hall. I love hearing from you guys. I love feedback, insight, and I appreciate you tuning in week by week. Thanks so much. And I appreciate you continuing to find out how we can get a better understanding of ourselves.